0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless
1: does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Botox Cosmetic. botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
1: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call eight seven seven three five one zero three zero zero. 351 300
0: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
1: Hi, I'm Zach Rosak, and you're listening to Sorry Partner.
2: Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we're revisiting our conversation with American champion Zach Grosak in honor of his being awarded Player of the Year by the ACBL. We'll be hearing again about his paying attention and not paying attention to the table, to his partner and to his temperament. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's it. Hi, partner. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Jocelyn, I'm terrific. How are you? I'm well. I'm glad to hear it. It's the end of the year. Can you believe it? I
3: really cannot.
2: Yeah. Unbelievable. Yep. Zoomed by and we end the year with the great news that one of our guests has been awarded Player of the Year by the ACBL, Zach Grosak. That award goes to the player who wins the most platinum points at national events during the calendar year, and I think he won by a nice margin, so that's lovely. Yeah, that's very impressive. Very impressive, yes. Anyway, in honour of Zach and in honour of it being the end of the year, we're going to rerun our conversation with Zach This week and we hope you all enjoy it. But first we have a couple of letters. Jocelyn, would you like me to read them to you? Absolutely. Okay, finish out the year with some enjoyable missives from our mailbag. Here we go. So our first letter today is from Peter and he's from Brookline, Massachusetts. And he says he actually has known the Grossack brothers and their family for a good 15 years. And get this, was at both of their bar mitzvahs. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, So it's very timely. Amazing. Amazing. And he's a bridge player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directs the weekly game at the country club there. Got it. And Peter's got a really interesting backstory, which I'll share with you before I read you his letter. He says, my aunt, Seelie Fisher, I think it's Seelie, C-E-L-E, is that how you would say it? I think so. Okay. Seelie Fisher, forgive me people if I've got it wrong. She played for Canada and her sister Lillian was Peter's mother. They were born in Toronto in the early 19s and learning bridge was de rigueur as a way of honing your social skills as well as combating the Great Depression. At some point, mum decided to emigrate to the US, eventually marrying and moving to Boston. We lived in Newton, Massachusetts, and mum was in charge of the bridge program at Pine Brook Country Club in Western Massachusetts, where we were members. In the mid-1960s, my folks retired to the Costa del Sol in Spain, where mum became a force majeure in the well-established bridge community. Someone eventually dubbed her the bridge hostess of the Costa del Sol.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: I know. What a what a moniker. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, I'd be very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> Starting out at the rubber bridge table, she eventually ended up playing for the national ladies team and was delegate for Spain to the World Bridge Federation and was a member of the International Bridge Press Association and wrote an inordinate number of bridge columns for the English magazines on the costa. Then he says, I'll scan a couple of them for you to peruse. Each magazine wanted exclusive publication rights, so she would write under three or four pseudonyms, each of which had the initials LM, and then he's got in brackets Leslie Moorhead, Lucian Monroe, etc., and even her real <laughs> name. <laughs> a local inside joke, to be sure. Naturally, I have a sizable folder of her articles, which I filleted from the original publications. She even partnered Omar Sharif, who became a family friend, as were many of European notables, such as Terence Reese, Rixie Marcus, Tony Pride, and the entire Italian blue team. Oh my God. Incredible background. My dad took up directing and even wrote a scoring program for his handheld Scion PDA, which is kind of like a forerunner of today's smartphone or tablet. It's like PDA, personal digital assistant. Like a palm pilot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the two of them eventually organized an annual congress on the Costa, typically in late January. They lived there for the rest of their lives and their ashes are scattered in the Mediterranean. Oh. What an amazing existence. Anyway, Sir Peters also sent us an actual letter. It's called Learning Ethics the Hard Way. With Bridge having been such an important part of my parents' lives, a good bit of their enthusiasm was infused with me. When I first got there, my boarding school had a defunct bridge club, which with the help of my chemistry master, I managed to resurrect. Yes, I enjoy playing bridge, but I also enjoy getting time off from classes. So I piggybacked <laughs> on our soccer team's schedule and arranged bridge matches with the rival school against whom we were going to compete, home or away. As a reward for my hard work, my teacher invited me to play in a local duplicate with him in Reading, a major city some seven miles from the school. This would have been in the equivalent of my junior year or, for you Brits, the lower sixth. <laughs> Pretty neat for a 16-year-old playing in his first duplicate with adults. Ah, but there was a wrinkle. We had a private convention, courtesy of Mr. Good, who I assume is the teacher. Our agreement was that if the auction went pass, pass, and you held five or fewer points in third seat, you were to open with one diamond. No announcement, nothing. Alerts were not yet invented in 1969, especially in Great Britain. Hey, he was my teacher and the house tutor, so who was I to question this prearranged psych? Needless to say, it came up. I calmly bid my one diamond at my turn and eventually my right-hand opponent bought the contract for three-no-Trump. You can only imagine the scowls emanating from Declarer with each losing finesse. I can just hear him thinking, this little shit could do that to me. <laughs> I was dressed in the typical British fashion of the day, tweed jacket, white shirt and tie. It turns out the Declarer was Eric Crowhurst, a well-known player in Great Britain, he even has a convention to his name. Luckily, nothing came of the subterfuge, and I have not fallen off the ethical wagon since. Peter. That's great.
3: <laughs> that is that is great.
2: That's so phenomenal, and, and what an amazing upbringing.
3: Yeah, I know.
2: And Peter sent us some of the photographs that he's got of the articles his mother's written, so... We'll have them posted on Instagram so people can enjoy them. That's great. Yeah. And then finally for the year, Jocelyn, we have a limerick from our good friend Phil. Oh, because we asked people to send them in and they did. They did. And it's a short one. In the spirit of encouraging people to play, Phil says that he's involved in a few teaching programs and often it's difficult to get students to transition from the teaching environment or playing with their friends and actually playing at a club. And so this is to encourage them. He writes, if you want to improve your bridge game and stop thinking, gee, I'm so lame, spend time at the table and soon you'll be able to make new mistakes, not the same. Oh my God. That's great. Bravo, Phil. Fantastic. Thank you,
3: Phil. And happy holidays to you and to everybody out there. Happy holidays. And as always, if you have any fun stories about Bridge, please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at com, or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram. Or you can send us a voice message. And these links are in the show notes and on the website at sorrypartner.com along with some other good stuff.
2: Coming up next, our interview with Zach Grosak. Jocelyn, it's the holiday season. Why, yes, Catherine, the festive season. And nothing makes me feel more festive than giving
3: gifts. You mean like that gift we gave our opponents recently when we discarded the wrong cards and let them make their 6 no trump? Uh, uh, maybe not quite like that. If you feel like giving your bridge partner or friends a gift they'll appreciate... Take a look at some of the fun items on our Sorry Partner merch store. We've got mugs, magnets, coasters, totes, t-shirts, notebooks, and many other items.
2: Or consider giving the gift of a Sorry Partner membership. Benefits include bonus audio and other perks like stickers and milestone shout outs. You'll also be supporting the show, which is a gift to us. Huh. So it's like two gifts for the price of one. Exactly. <laughs> How do people support the show? You just go to our website at
3: sorrypartner.com, click support the show, and take it from there. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. American champion Zach Grossack learned to play bridge when he was nine years old. By the time he was 12, he was a life master. And at the age of 22, he became the youngest grand life master in ACBL history. We began by asking if he'd had any interesting hands lately.
1: Well, I got to play with Jeff Mextroth for the first time as a partner this week, and it was an experience. Mostly the hands that stick out are hands where we had disconnects on the bidding, which is not necessarily a great thing to, you know, point out. But there was one hand where I was Q bidding for spades and Jeff wasn't sure what Trump was because I hadn't said it explicitly. I said it in my mind implicitly, said Trump. And he ended up passing four hearts when I was trying for slam and spades, and it was it was probably for the best because we made four hearts. I had a heart void. I was cubiting, and he had six. We made four spades too, but if we kept going, we would have gone down. So you know that's the kind of vibe of the week. We sort of did survive a lot of the. You know, we did well enough. We're very experienced bridge players, both of us, him and more than me, obviously. But we sort of survived the week in this way. But until the end, we really didn't like come sit down you know you'd expect me and jeff to sit down and people would be like wow they could really you know be tough they could really like not be fun to play against and hopefully that will be i'll get another chance to play with jeff and that's what we'll be like in the future
3: you have a reputation of being a fairly aggressive bidder and i'm wondering how that translated when you were playing with jeff mekstroth were you every bit as aggressive as normal or were you trying to Maybe be a little bit more circumspect? I'm just so curious.
1: You know, in hindsight, Jocelyn, I really wish I were a little more circumspect, as as (laughs) you say. I was pretty incessantly needled for the fact that Zach has never missed a game in his life, nor a slam, nor a grand slam. He thought I bid like a maniac, basically. He (laughs) just kept bidding and bidding and bidding. In hindsight, I probably should have done a little bit a little bit less. You know, there's this old adage about new first time partnerships where usually they do quite well when you have two reasonably strong players playing for the first time together, sort of they call it the honeymoon phase, where both players are just playing a very simple, straightforward bridge trying not to make a confused bid for their partner it ends up that you have very good results because you don't end up with a lot of bad results. That's sort of, you kind of avoid those very detailed auctions with agreements and you don't have disasters. I think that I was just like, I can bid how I'll normally bid and Jeff is so good, he'll understand it. Yada, yada, yada. I kind of put that whole adage on the the back burner. So, and we actually are supposed to play attentively in 2024 in the pair game. And I said to him, we're playing a natural system. Under no circumstances are we doing this again. Now, to be clear, the system we played, I pretty much wrote, right? It's a transfer to a club and it's a very, it's fine. It's very playable. It can be very good. It just happens to be when you're playing in a new partnership, it's not optimal. And I can say that with some surety at this point.
2: What do you most love about Bridge? How good I
1: am at it. No, don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) well you are you are go on tell us what's what's that like to be really good at something
1: well no I just it's really cool how much freedom bridge has given me as an adult to just have a really really good life I mean I, I I don't know what else to say but I get to wake up I get to play the game that I've loved my whole life be it online or now back in person I've met some of the most accomplished people who are accomplished enough in life to be able to hire me to be their bridge partner, who have given me so much great life advice and become great friends of mine. You know, and I'm another really positive aspect of being a a bridge pro is that I meet older people and I have a very easy time conversing with people above my generation or older than me. And I just enjoy that. I enjoy listening to other people's lives and stories and maybe wisdom, but that's an old, that's probably cliche. I think just saying the life that Bridges afforded me is my favorite part of Bridge.
2: I know you were being droll, but you said one of the things that you like about Bridge is that you're so good at it. You are really good at it. What's that like? I would like to know.
1: That is a very hard thing to answer in the sense that I was never the person that read a lot of bridge books and studied a lot of hands and studied suit combinations and studied squeezes and read books. I, that wasn't really me. I was kind of obsessed with it as a kid and just played hands. I would do this thing where I would sit on the Saturday morning as a kid and probably have like the food network on in the background. Like I would watch a Garden or like someone <laughs> like that. As a kid and I would deal out hands and just play bridge by myself constantly. So I just saw a lot of hands and my brain kind of worked with it.
3: Zach, when we were talking earlier uh, before the interview and you mentioned that you have ADHD, I wanted to find out how does that affect your bridge life?
1: I definitely have issues with attention. I was diagnosed as a kid. I was medicated. I hated it. I never went through with it. I, I I cannot stand the drugs personally. I'm sure they work really well for some people. I do definitely have a hard time in the big events where people take minutes upon minutes to make one play one card over and over again. I certainly have developed the skill to just sit there and let my mind wander. Like I can count suits without really thinking about it often. So I'm able to let my mind wander during a hand where people are taking, let's say, forever and be able to know exactly where I am and not lose track or sight of what's going on.
3: I'm trying to reconcile that with the keeping track, counting down from 13 with four suits (laughs) going on. Uh, Yeah. When you say your mind is wandering, is it wandering outside of the the room like away from the table
1: yeah what am I gonna eat for dinner tonight (laughs) what do I have to do when I get home it's um the the best way for me not to get anxious at the table or not to get really like agitated when things are taking too long for me
2: so in a sense you've put the other thoughts in another place so you've compartmentalized the two processes is that what's happening that that's
1: yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in a in a in an actual way, but I, it totally could be that I'm just compartmentalizing the bridge thoughts from life thoughts, and able to tap back into any given hand when I come back to reality. And the the alternative to that is to allow myself just to sit there and perhaps become agitated because I have attention issues.
2: I don't know. I think we all find that pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, the other thing I do is, you know, especially now when you play online, when I'm playing Bridge, I have some sort of background information app on always. I have the TV that I'm watching or I have actually my main thing is I have a crossword usually like when I'm playing, let's say it's March 2021. Okay, we're like mid lockdown. I'm playing Bridge eight hours a day, generally, either in an online tournament or I'm playing three or four ACBL games with students or clients from around the world online. And I will be playing. And I'll sometimes, well, that during that, I was definitely watching the Great British Bake Off. That was like the best mindless TV <laughs> that you can get. Like zero attentive resources are needed to enjoy that show. But like also a, a thing I was doing a lot is I'd have a crossword. I'd have like an archive New York Times crossword that I'd do while I was playing.
3: What would your regular partner say is your greatest strength as a bridge player?
1: You know, Jocelyn, it's pretty hard to talk about your own strengths. I have to be honest with you.
3: Well, I'm not asking you to say what your strengths are.
1: Oh. I'm
3: trying to say what would your partners say?
1: Michael would say probably his instincts, my bridge instincts, because... We've had these conversations where I will say, I didn't make a play because it was anti-percentage, but my gut feeling was 100% to get this right. And he'll say, you have to go with your gut 100% of the time. There's no point otherwise. Because I'm pretty good at, I have a feel for these things often. You know, I will say, well, this is this is how it ha- the hand has to be. It doesn't make any sense otherwise.
3: And what might Michael Rosenberg say? is a particular weakness of Zach's bridge game?
1: Two things. One, I have trouble always memorizing our exact agreements. Two, I will double in weird situations or make bids that are just too aggressive or too aggro or too out of left field for him to sort of comprehend. And he developed actually this term for in the bidding, he'd call it Zachphobia, which is now no, <laughs> which is now a completely barred word in our partnership because Michael is very into bridge and like thinks about bridge constantly, and he'll send us these reports, and it will be like if we have a bad hand and he made a decision on a board that could have been not more optimal, he'll say, "Well, I didn't do it because of Zachphobia, and I was afraid if I doubled here instead, he would just leave it in." because you want to go for penalty all the time or something like that. And you call it Zach phobia. And I said, if you use that term one more time.
3: (laughs) It's so interesting that you, the aggressive bidder who bids more than anybody, will take an opportunity to leave a takeout double in for penalties.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the bread and butter. That's like that is aggressive in itself. Bidding, you know, in response to a takeout double is conservative in that situation because that's just what you're supposed to do. The aggr- the aggressive action is leaving in a takeout double and going for penalty because that's not what you're supposed to do most of the time. You know, sometimes it's clear, but when it's not, I tend towards leaving it in penalty.
2: You also play with Georgia Botta. Do you two have a similar dynamic?
1: My first thought to that is, Georgia is is very headstrong and, 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 like, literally will give anything I say but right back to me, which I think is a very good thing. and Like, that is, that's very good. We've become really, really good friends through playing bridge together. We do well. I'm very happy to have a partner for mixed events that plays as well as she does and happens to be a very close friend of mine. So the other really good thing about me and Georgia's relationship is that we do fight? There's, there, I mean, just to be very, very clear, like we fight about bridge, but we're both really good at letting it go within, you know, within the half hour or hour. It's just let go, move on. You know, I said something like, "What the fuck are you doing?" or something like I'll be like, "Why the fuck didn't I get it? like?" And she'll be like, "Fuck you!" And sorry, this is a lot of swearing. This is the actual dialogue. <laughs>
3: she'll be like, "Go
1: fuck yourself!" And <laughs> I'll be like, "Okay." And, like, 20 minutes later, we can just, we, we don't even have to revisit it, you know? So that's that's definitely a, a good thing for a partnership, but both players can just, like, really not hold on to, not take it personally when someone gets mad about a bridge hand. It's not, like, I'm not saying I hate you as a person. She's not saying, so do I. It's more like, well, I didn't understand this bridge thing, and I'm reacting. And she's like, well, I'm going to react back, and then we won't talk about it later. Or usually I start it, so that's that one. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results
4: may vary.
2: Zach, you've had a number of relatively long-term partners now in your bridge career. What have been some of the challenges of those partnerships?
1: I would say certainly being a good or the best partner I can be, as well as bringing out the best game in my partner, is something that I've really grown more and more cognizant of as I've become an adult. And not to say that I'm better or worse than anyone else, but I'm certainly better than... (laughs) I once was at, at those aspects, of those sort of emotional partnership aspects of bridge than I was as a kid, but it's something I still really work on and think about a lot. You know, think about how I can react and respond in an, in an emotional way that makes my partner play better bridge. It's not always easy.
2: How do you work on it?
1: I think, honestly, just just thinking about it and being cognizant of it is really important. Not letting your guard down, thinking about, the effect, my actions, however angry or upset I am or in that moment, just like trying to think about what how my actions will affect my partners and not just my own. And it's something I constantly have to remind myself of because I can just get into this zone of not caring, you know, and just reverting back to sort of old habits of just not being particularly nice. And I think thinking about it, thinking about it while playing you know, it's a really important part of becoming a better partner, and bringing out the better game from your partner.
3: Zach, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge?
1: Maybe not the funniest thing, but I was when I was playing with Zia in the Blue Ribbon Pairs a long time ago. We had a lot of kibitzers during this event, and it was maybe the second to last or round of something, and. Z and I, you know, we weren't fine tuned in our bidding or anything. So we opened like a no Trump. They overcalled two of a major. And a lot of pros play transfer Lebensall here, where you either Q bid their suit is stamen and you whatever you bid otherwise is a transfer to the suit above it. But some people play that transferring to their suit is stamen and Q bidding is a transfer. So we had not, I don't think, explicitly discussed it. So I tried one of them. He thought it was Stamen. I thought I was showing spades. We have <laughs> a disaster of an auction. Zia lands in six spades. We're we're, we're no play in six spades. <laughs> Zia looks at Dummy, comes out, and doesn't say anything. So we're just playing six spades, and he leads a suit, and the guy in his right shows out. And it's not really possible for the guy in his right to show out. So Zia looks at this, he waits a second for the guy to correct it, and then he just tells him, okay, no, 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 put that back. You can't, you can't do that. You can't revoke. Because he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to win that way. He says, put it back. And, it's, and then play goes on, and then he leads the same suit again, and the guy has another, let's say it's clubs. The guy has another club, and again, he shows out. He revokes. Then <laughs> <laughs> the same suit and zeal looks down at this and i'll like never forget his face and he knows he like he just has the count on the hand he's counting everything he knows the guy has like at least another club or two and he looks at this and he's like waiting for the guy to fix it and then he just keeps playing he just slams a card (laughs) on the table it goes next you know the guy they win this trick right and then they keeps going a club comes up the guy now a couple tricks later follows with the club i'm just like at this point like totally amazed and We're down two, but it's a two-trick penalty because they won the (laughs) trick and the trick they revoked, and like, and now he made six spades in this ridiculous contract. At the time, I like was hysterically laughing. I had to leave the table because it was so funny that this guy double revoked. Like he didn't let him revoke the first time, but on the second revoke, he's like, "Well, you know what? You got your chance." (laughs) 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 And it was the face he made. He made. He was like, he looked at this. He was like. I'll never forget the face he made when the, like the second revoke happened, and like he because he just had no idea what to do. It was so like awe-struck, and the guy would revoke in the same suit for the second time <laughs> in the same hand.
2: That's great. What's the biggest schlamozzle you've ever had at the table?
1: Well, I like can a recent one in uh, in Reno. I was playing the last board of the Vanderbilt round of eight, the quarterfinals of the Vanderbilt, and. We're in the last board, and we have a pretty reasonably decent set, and it was very close. And Michael and I land in three-no trump um on a on a little bit of a weird auction, but you know, relatively normal contract. And I had ace third of hearts so opposite two little. And the opponent led some other suit, a spade. My right-hand opponent won it and played back a low heart. And at this point. I had to decide whether or not I wanted to try to sneak a trick through from dummy and go for nine that way, or I could play for the guy who led a heart to have five hearts and my left-hand opponent to have three hearts, dock both hearts twice, and play for my left-hand opponent to have all the outside the outside entries, which is sort of the normal, correct play, the second the ladder. And I decided to go for something funny where I I Pretended like I had the suit well-stopped. I won the first trick with the ace, which most people don't do. if They just have the bear ace. And I went to dummy to try to sneak a trick through. And uh, this blew up in my face. And we <laughs> lost the, the round on this board because I was cold for the contract. And we lost in the Vanderbilt because on the last board because of this.
2: Aww.
1: yeah, It wasn't a happy occasion. Yeah. You
3: did so well at that tournament. I'm just going to say that was fabulous what you guys did <laughs> at that tournament. So. Yeah, well
1: done. Yeah, that, it was sort of like this bittersweet thing. Like I just won the platinum pairs. We were just like cruising into the semifinals of the Vanderbilt. And then I just like decided to go down in a cold contract on the last board to lose the match. And it was uh, harrowing.
2: Well, it's it's good for, for players like us to know that you're not perfect.
1: <laughs> I have a litany of pans <laughs> for you to show you that. <laughs>
2: Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you really like to play?
1: You know, I get this question a lot, and I'm not that emotionally attached to certain bridge conventions. Like, it's not, I'm more, I want to answer the question in reverse. There are certain (laughs) conventions I don't like that have become integrated. Okay. One, the four card major, five card minor, double of a no trump. Not cool. Not for me. Two, X, Y, Z. I want one club, one heart, one spade, two clubs, no interference, to be clubs. I want to be able to play a partner's five-card suit. Now, if you want to play X, Y, Z over a diamond, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't particularly care for this new thing where it goes like, one major past two clubs, which could be two. Unless you're playing a very well-thought-out relay system over that where responder shows their shape via relay bids, I think it makes natural bidding very difficult. So to answer your question about a favorite convention, I named three conventions I don't particularly care for.
2: (laughs) Are there any that you do particularly like?
1: Okay, I like Flannery, and this is, again, against the grain. I like Flannery because I love when one heart, pass, one spade can show five. That is my favorite part of Flannery and probably my favorite convention. I also really like the European style of opening three of a suit of three level preempts in first seat favorable is completely destructive. It denies... Anything resembling a good hand. It shows six cards in the suit, and it is totally for the purpose of a destructive bid. I I, I play this with my current partner, Michael Rosenberg. It's worked really well, and it makes the two-level openings constructive, which is good for me because in the past, if I opened two spades, white versus red, at various ages in my life, I mean, God knows what I'd have: five spades, to the jack, and a, and, a, <laughs> and a singleton heart. I, it could have been anything, you know. But nowadays, it's because I have three spades is the the crazy bid by convention. I can have two spades, can be a nice, good-looking preempt. He's queen, six, you know, call it a day.
2: I once played a hand against you, and I was so verklempt because I was playing opposite you. I opened what I thought was a preempt. It was a preempt of two spades. And at the end of the hand, you said to me, do you realize that you just... Opened a one level bid against me at the two level. I completely tricked you out of your contract, but I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and you were so, you were so amused by it. You went around telling everyone. I remember you told Joe Grew. I was so embarrassed, but it was great. It ended up, it was that classic thing. It ended up being great, but I was mortified. I had no idea. <laughs>
1: Well, was I kind of a jerk or was I like genuinely like humored by how you? Totally oh, you, got I think me. you were
2: genuinely entertained. You were, you were, you were neither here nor there to me. It was fine. I wasn't like one way or another, but you were just so entertained. You were telling people, but you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I'm glad you guys played against me then and not when I was much younger. I don't know why I'm just divulging this, but I, I definitely used to and still struggle with, you know, being. I can, I have trouble often being a very supportive and nice partner. And as a kid, I was, it wasn't comparable to how I behave today, but as a kid, I was really bratty and really difficult. I remember I used to play with my mom. And nowadays, I am so happy to be playing bridge with my mother as a 24 year old, almost to be 25 adults. Like to be able to have this passion that I can play with, like my mom is. I'm incredibly grateful for her now, but when you're fourteen and like your mom's your main bridge partner and you're going to compete and win <laughs> at all costs at the club game on Thursday night and my mom my mom is a very good bridge player, but sometimes she would make an error and I would just every time I would just go berserk. I would be such a little shit, you know? So that's why I'm happier you played against me when I was an adult. Because if you open two spades with a thirteen count, let's say, and it totally got me and I was at the time, let's say fifteen there would have been a very angry, chubby little boy at the table. Well, not that little. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is there any aspect of your game that you feel is not as good as when you were much younger?
1: Absolutely. I've definitely lost some of my creative spunk. Like, I used to come up with the most out-of-bounds bids that you could imagine you know and that would probably have a lower not necessarily a high percentage chance of working but I had very good timing because I have very natural I'm natural bridge player right there's naturals and there's people that work hard and I was saying earlier that I'm in, sort of not one of those people that reads a lot does all that and sort of just try play very naturally and I would have very good timing and I would use the score and the scoring a bridge and and you make these zany bids and they would like you know and I'd find a way to go to get out for down one, and they would make opponents would be making one twenty or one ten, and there was so much more of that when I was a kid of these like little match point sort of stealing the contract as much as possible and trying to take as many tricks as possible, that unfortunately I sort of lost because they're too high risk and they're not actually you know good propositions, but. I kind of miss, I used to, I used to produce more. Certainly I used to produce the most talks. <laughs> of any kid around. Nowadays, I, you know, it's just not something I do as much. I mean, I still, I, like, people I will be laughing at that comment because they'll be like, he bids more than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but they haven't seen me when I was 14. It's the answer to them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I'll bet if you could take yourself now and put yourself next to that 14-year-old kid, you would be very frustrated about a lot of things that that kid was doing.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, behaviorally, I'm very happy with how much effort I put into that. I also, as 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 a millennial, or I, I don't know if a millennial or Gen Z or whichever, you, I'm right on the border. But as they do, I was on Instagram and I saw one of these motivational things about how look at yourself five years ago and look at yourself now and what you've accomplished and be reflective, yada, yada. And I, I've done a lot of, I've accomplished a lot of the bridge goals, you know, I've been looking for. Not all of them. I've won a world championship, and open one. I haven't won a major spin or Vanderbilt. So there's a lot still to play for, but I have won a lot of stuff and played with a lot of the people I dreamed of playing with as, you know, Jeff the first time when I was 24. And. I played with Zia and the Blue Ribbon Pairs when I was 21, and that was, that was awesome. I mean, we didn't do particularly well, mainly because we had a pretty bad last day, but we, we had the most kibitzers of anyone in that event by a lot because Zia draws a crowd and he's playing with a young kid, you know, on the block. And we would just play, and there was, there's a famous C kind of picture of us on Facebook where we have literally, I think 10 kibitzers just huddled around the table. He is, he is a very colorful person to play with because he's so expressive at the table. So, you know.
2: How do you feel about the kibitzers?
1: I personally love kibitzers. I'm very much an entertainer. You know, I, I enjoy showmanship. <laughs> no regrets. I enjoyed the showmanship aspect. Bridge has to be fun, bridge has to be entertaining. You know, I, or else, what's, you know, I, they, I, of course, you can be serious in that and really play it. A card game and love that about it. And I love the serious nature of bridge, but it also can be fun at the same time and should be entertaining. And I, I love when people are watching and they can, especially if they're friends of mine or acquaintances, and show them a little bit and be funny. And it doesn't really make me nervous, except if we're doing, if we're having, or like if, and especially if I made an error or made a miscalculation or made a bad bid or a crazy thing or on a couple hands in a row and I have a kibitzer, then I can just sort of spiral a little bit. But I would say most of the time, I really enjoy having people watching and in the game with me.
2: When we talked to Bob Hammond, he said that he'll muck around a bit with the kibitzes in that he, I don't know that he was such a fan of them. And so he likes to do stuff like look at the hands really quickly and then conceal them from the kibitzes, stuff like that. (laughs) Do you ever do things like that?
1: Yeah, certainly if I'm in a, not in a good mood, I'll do that. That's for sure. But I'm am I'm on the opposite side of, of Bob on this one. I enjoy including people I'll sort of go out of my... Well, actually comes from my mother. My mom used to do this thing where she would like jab me in the side if she couldn't see my hand for long enough. She'd like pump me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Zach, Zach, can't see it. I'd be like, Mom. Only Mom. Right. Only mom, but she used to do that. So now it's like, you know, I sort of know how important it is for someone's experience to actually see your hand via a very motherly mother. That's the only adjective I'll use there.
3: (laughs) What's the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given?
1: Well, for me, it is getting your partner to play well is just as important as playing well for yourself. The abilities you have to make your partner play your best, their best game are certainly a part of being a good bridge player yourself. And I still have, to this day, I'm really sitting with that advice and not always following as much as I want to. And it's just something I'm really cognizant of, and I wasn't really blessed with the natural ability to be always the best partner at all times. One thing I got from actually a sports psychologist, I you know, that's how far this went, is that you have to think that your partner is coming from a place of positive intent when they're playing bridge. Your partner is not trying to sabotage you. They are doing the best they can, right? That is something that I like explicitly thought the opposite of. Let's say going back again, playing with my mom when I was 14, I would think she's sabotaging us. That's how I would think. You know, this is the way, this is the view that my brain would have. Sort of something I really have to try to break. And I am still struggling with breaking, you know, at all times.
3: And you played with your brother so often. So there was probably a sibling rivalry that was kind of underscoring that sense that you had, maybe.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a sabotaging thing, is something that's still ha- that happened a lot with Adam, too. Adam was my regular partner for years. And then the deal we got for our national team was that Adam would play with our client because they had established a partnership. And so I was not forced, but I, I was sort of, I moved in a direction of finding a different partner, which, I mean, I'm not happy about it, but it was, was really probably good for us, our relationship, because we played together for so long, and it, I had such a difficult time, you know, just being a good partner to Adam because he was my brother. I mean, I, you know, he's your brother, you love him, but you don't always like him, especially as your bridge partner. You know, and we were very, very close, Adam and I, and it was not good. You know, I just have so much fire and... <laughs> I wouldn't think, you know, that he's coming from a positive place of intent a lot. So, yeah, I'm actually really grateful that we sort of were able to separate for a little while. And I fully plan on resuming a partnership with my brother as I get older. But it's sort of allowed for me to do some pretty necessary maturing to play with a sibling and a family member, because that can be really, really hard.
2: (laughs) Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so great talking to you. It's been really great. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been really fun.
2: And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Zach Grosak. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner posse
3: of listener supporters who make the show possible.
2: Sorry Partner is produced by Katherine Harris with production assistance from Paul Chirasso and Jade Gray. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Startz and produced by Daniel Graboi.
3: Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram, or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. You'll get a monthly newsletter, bonus audio from time to time, and other supporter benefits. These links and a link to our discount offers and merch store are under the episode description in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well.
2: May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Zach says, helping your partner to play their best game is a key part of being a good bridge player yourself. Happy holidays, partner. Happy holidays, Catherine.
3: I'll see you in a few weeks. See you
2: in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.